You're listening to the Trading Matters Podcast by OCBC Securities, a show where we discuss with an OCBC Securities expert on how the latest news will impact markets worldwide, including Singapore, the US, China and Hong Kong. Hi, I'm Elliot Danker, and today I've got two guests on this segment. The first one, my old friend Samuel Wong, trading strategist from OCBC Securities. Samuel, welcome. And good to hear you again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And joining us is Lim Yun, who is Chief Investor Strategist for Lion Global Investors. How are you? Good. So, gentlemen, we've got quite a few things to talk about. Let's start off with a macro view of China, you know, trying to look at China's reopening. Uh, you can help me out with this. So let's let's talk about Premier Li Keqiang's government work report. He talked about growing uncertainties in the international environment. Now, bearing that in mind, how do you think this is going to affect China itself? Here at Lion Global Investors, we do put out our own investment pieces. And uh, for this year, we, we are thinking that this is a year of uh, two halves, meaning that for the developed markets, we are actually quite negative on it, okay. uh, cautious on it, but we are actually quite positive on the Chinese market. The economic growth in uh, developed markets like the US and Europe would potentially slow in 2023 from the record pace of rate hikes last year. And we are also starting to see things breaking like the failure of uh, Silicon Valley Bank recently in the, in the US. Mm. But the situation in China is quite the opposite with the potential strong economic growth in 2023 as China reopens post-COVID. So policies towards key sectors like technology, property and so on and so forth, turning more pro-growth since November of last year. And we expect recovery in these sectors to continue into 2023. So Chinese equities and Chinese technology names, which have rallied since November of last year, should continue into this year. Samuel, that's an interesting point of view. And I feel like we've talked about this before, right? A year of two halves. Your thoughts on that? The macro affecting China? I think probably is that I will just share a little bit more on the trader perspective itself. When we talk about uncertainty, it means market volatility. I think on top of the most recent concluded of the National People Congress meeting that ended on the 12th of March, the global market has another negative surprises over the collapse of the U.S. Silicon Bank Valley mm-hmm. and the Signature Bank. Mm-hmm. Selling flow also took control of the global market. But interestingly, both China and Hong Kong market itself lost only marginally. Right. On that same period, we also saw that China offshore renminbi strengthened from 6.97 to 6.87 level. Back in March, we also saw the largest inflow of ETF fund flow into the China-Hong Kong market that's worth probably about US $600 million. Taking a cue from both the China yen movement and also the ETF fund flow movement itself, we are seeing also some level of cautious optimism seems to be working onto the China and Hong Kong market in the midst of the global uncertainties. All right then, Yun, uh, Beijing also set a target of around 5% growth uh, in GDP for 2023. I believe that caught a lot of people's attentions. So if I'm an investor, how should I manage expectations? When you consider a few months ago, China was already picking up uh, strongly after the second half, after the whole reopening narrative. There are no currently certain uncertainties out there globally. Uh, for example, developed economies like the US and Europe are actually slowing mm. and it could actually impact global growth for the goods that China produces. There are also unexpected events that could actually happen in a tightening cycle such as the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank recently. So despite all these uncertainties, we think that the Chinese economy would likely accelerate from last year. 
the Chinese government has set a target of 5% GDP growth for 2023. Some investors feel that 5% GDP growth target is quite conservative and that they could, they could actually achieve more. We think that the Chinese government is setting a, a conservative target that they think that they can achieve with confidence. So this is not a bad thing. Even with a 5% growth rate, China would still be growing faster than many economies out there that faces increasing risk of recession later part of this year. Mm, actually, that's a good point when you consider the size of China. Samuel, would you agree with Yuan? Definitely. And also just to add a little bit more pointers on the trading flow itself. Mm. Both China and Hong Kong, right, we saw a massive uh, fund flow about 22% and 55% on its market cap itself since November 2022. That's over the China reopening team. But what is more forward-looking is the market will probably be anticipating how the various fiscal, monetary and the economic stimulus plans of China will materialise into 2023. And I agree with you in sharing that the China's largest target growth of 2023 at 5% would be a flaw figure. If all the economic strategies work it out well, the street is also projecting for China growth to move up on a higher level at about 55 to 6%. Okay. But for now, before all the good things start to materialise, probably the market will be in a range bound movement for China and Hong Kong. I want to get your thoughts on this, both of you, because we've been talking about China. Obviously, there is uh, the notion that, you know, how is all of that going to impact Singapore's economic forecast for this year, 2023? What do you think are going to be some of the key drivers as well? The Singapore economy actually slowed down last year. So it expanded 2.1% year on year in fourth quarter of last year, which was weaker than previous quarters. The weak external demand since last year could be why MAS, Monetary Authority of Singapore, projected a range of 0.5 to 2.5% growth rate for this year. China is an important trading partner for Singapore and its reopening would also affect or benefit Singapore and support Singapore's economic growth at the upper range of this uh, target that uh, MAS has guided. Singapore equities market could also be considered as a defensive market if the global economy goes into a tailspin. Mm. Samuel, it's like, you know, being well-placed to to manage all of this where Singapore's economy is concerned, but at the same time, you've got to be uh, careful and conservative about your own excitement over China's reopening. Uh, your thoughts on some of the key drivers? I think, first of all, we have to acknowledge that traders don't forecast economy. So it is good for us to take a reference from 2022, the global uh, market performances. For instance, we, we are aware that key market like US, China and Hong Kong, they were down on the double-digit losses. Mm. But for Singapore market itself, they did us proud, a gain of 4.12%. As Singapore belongs to a neutral political ground, many of the global family officers shifted to Singapore in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. That was due to the probably the US-China political tension. That resulted in on 17% growth on our AUM. If you're talking about that figure, it actually outpaced the global AUM growth, 11%. So this behaviour is likely to continue in a very political, unstable environment. I'm speaking right now with Samuel Wong, trading strategist from OCBC Securities, as well as Lim Yuan, who is Chief Investor Strategist, Lion Global Investors. Gentlemen, I, I want to turn uh, the attention now to the Hang Seng Tech and China Leaders ETF. What should investors pay attention to here? I mean, what are the benefits to investing in ETFs? Uh, Yuan, can I get your thoughts first? Both ETFs gives you 
a very different exposure to sure. the Chinese market. Yeah. So the Chinese leader ETF gives you the exposure to the top companies there trading in China. Mm. So you have exposure across all industries. But if you are more bullish on the the rebound in the tech sector, mm-hmm. then the Hansing Tech ETF, which focuses more narrowly on the sector itself, uh, that would actually be a good instrument for investors to consider. Mm. Samuel, uh, what, what is OCBC's stance here? What should we pay attention to with regard to this? So, again, back to your question again. So, probably I'll just focus a little bit more uh, sharing on the fund flow aspects. Yeah? All right. The China-Hong Kong market seems to be holding the line well for now. For the period ended 10 of March, the Hong Kong ETF itself actually saw negative fund outflow of US 171 million. Mm. But if you were to compare on a week-on-week basis itself, right, there was a positive fund flow of US $600 million on the previous week itself. Right. So on this basis, it seems to be a portfolio rebalancing. I'm just saying there seems to be no sign of panicky selling. In time of uncertainties, we always say cash matters. <laughs> <laughs> but... For both the Hong Kong Tech and the China Leaders ETF of the key members, are you aware they are actually flush with heavy cash level? Let me share some of the names like China Construction Bank, okay. Pingang Insurance, Meituan, Tencent, JD.com, BYD. These are the names that are all in sets of billion of dollars of renminbi mm. for its cash level. Mm. And they are names that are all spread and diversified across all sectors and all industries. All right. Uh, time to flip the question a little bit. Uh, what are your thoughts when it comes to Singapore ETFs? Uh, in particular, I do want to focus on this thing with the with the whole uh, sustainability sort of uh, narrative, uh, low-carbon ETF. Uh, what are your thoughts given the uncertain economic climate in particular? Yeah. So there are two parts to it. Okay. Uh, one, which is actually the exposure to the Singapore market. I've actually just... Uh, explain the Singapore market actually does benefit from the China reopening trade Mm -hmm. and secondly uh, Singapore is actually a defensive market so in a sell-off it does relatively better than the rest of the the indices out there Um, the second part of the question that you you mentioned the Lion Global OCBC Security Singapore low carbon ETF how how does it stack up it's not concentrated in certain industries like the financials and has a higher weighting in some other sectors, such as the technology sector. Okay, Samuel, anything to add there? Of course, I have a lot of things. <laughs> if you were to give me another half an hour, <laughs> I have more to share. But for now, if we are talking about the many concerns and geopolitical risks of 2022, so far it remains unresolved and it's just been carried forward into 2023. Do remember that Singapore STI market itself outperformed the rest of the major market in 2022. STI Singapore market itself was seen as an effective pro-business, we supported business infrastructure environment as well as being a safe haven port for many. Uncertainties in the global scene are likely to stay in 2023 and will Singapore repeat its outperforming showing just like in 2022? If yes, one way to engage the Singapore market will be via the Singapore ETF. Right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for your insights today. Just a quick note, this advertisement has not been reviewed by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. I've been speaking with Samuel Wong, trading strategist from OCBC Securities, and Lim Yun, who is chief investor strategist for Lion Global Investors. This is the Trading Matters podcast brought to you by OCBC Securities. For more latest markets insights, check out OCBC Securities on Spotify. Contents of this podcast are intended for general information only and should not be construed as a recommendation or solicitation to invest in any financial product. 
All investments are subjected to risk. Before investing, you should conduct your own self-assessment and seek independent financial advice. For a full disclaimer, visit iocbc.com/slash trading matters.